Welcome into another episode of New York Her. I'm your host, Caroline Hendershot. Today we have a really special guest. Her name is Emma Lovewell. She is a Peloton instructor and author. Emma, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you, Caroline. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Okay, so we were just talking off camera a little bit. I think you're the first person that I've ever met that was born and raised on the island of Martha's Vineyard, like so crazy. I just think that there's so much that comes with that. What was that like growing up on an island? Yeah, I think I didn't realize that it was strange until I left the island because I was (laughs) born there. I didn't know anything else. No fast food or malls or, um, you know, the, the regular stuff until I went to college. And then all my friends were like, wait, you've never been to a Wendy's. You've never been to Taco Bell. Like, you know, the, the idea of like going to a mall just to buy like one thing was like so foreign to me. Cause growing up on the Island, you would take a boat off Island and do like an entire day of shopping at the mall, Right. And, you know, but it's in retrospect, I'm very lucky that I grew up there. Moving from Island of 10,000 people, to then New York City. Was that a big adjustment for you? Yeah, and even when I would just visit, like I'd go home for the weekend or something and I'd go back to New York, like that it that transition time was really long, like even mm-hmm. just to acclimate myself. Um, and then it got shorter and shorter the more times I would do it. But um, yeah, it's very, it's, it's very overwhelming to be, um, in New York city after living on an Island, but I loved it. I was like, so energized by it, like the energy in the city and, you know, like everybody is so driven and creative. And I was like, I was thriving off of that. Right. I feel like you either thrive off of it or it's like so overwhelming where it's like, Oh, okay. This isn't what I wanted. I gotta, I gotta leave. But I, okay. So I read this really interesting thing about you that you took a Craigslist job for $50. And that's why you say that you're here in your current position where you are today. So explain to me (laughs) at what point did that come in the career that $50 Craigslist job? Sure. And I'm, I write about this story in my book that's coming out May 2nd, uh, live, learn, love well lessons from a life of progress, not perfection. So I'm giving you a little taste of what is in the book. Okay. To come. Amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I moved to New York, uh, to pursue dance and I set pretty like realistic goals for myself where I was like, if I don't, you know, I didn't have a lot of confidence to be honest when I moved to New York, I was like, I'm going to try this whole thing out. Um, I had done an internship before when I was in college and I ended up booking a music video gig. Um, I was in a Bjork music video and I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, Oh wait, like maybe I'm good enough to do this. And so I was like, I'm going to move to New York city. I'm going to pursue dance. I'm going to give myself one year. If I don't make, you know, headway in a year, like I need to reconsider my career path. So about a year in, I ended up signing with a major dance agency. And I was like, this is my sign that I'm doing what I'm Mm -hmm. supposed to do. Like, I'm going to keep going. And so I did that for six or seven years. Auditioning is brutal. It's very competitive. Um, I got to dance with Snoop Dogg, with the Rolling Stones. I was in a number of music videos and um, movies, Step Up 3D. um, Oh, that's awesome. I know. Um, and I had a great time. I was bartending on the weekends to make ends meet. I was going on Craigslist looking for jobs like constantly. Mm -hmm. 
and there's like casting networks and there's all these different websites you go to try to find, you know, creative jobs. And so one of the jobs I found was, um, it was looking for like a model, a fitness model, a woman who felt comfortable in the gym and who could show her abs. And it was for a personal trainer's website. So he wanted to mm -hmm. like act like he was training me in these photos mm -hmm. and it paid $50. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to like submit my photo and 50 bucks can get me like a nice dinner, you know? <laughs> and, um, so I end up getting it and I go to the photo shoot and like, thank God it's legitimate because like, you really just don't know <laughs> yeah. um, the amount of things that I said yes to and was like, I'm just going off of vibes here. And um, the photographer was amazing. The personal trainer was awesome, you know, ended up making some friends there. And the photographer was like, Hey, have you ever considered fitness modeling? You know, you need to be able to take direction. Well, um, you know, dancers are great for fitness modeling. And I was like, Oh, let me, you know, let me take him seriously. And so we did a test shoot. I ended up putting together a portfolio, submitted to Wilhelmina models and ended up signing with Wilhelmina because of Wilhelmina, I ended up booking a modeling job, a kick for a Kickstarter campaign for Peloton. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I met the CEO and the, the small team at Peloton in 2012. And I was just like an actor model for the day. And, um, you know, years later, I reached back out to the CEO and I was like, Hey, I'm a fitness instructor now. Like, are there any job opportunities there? And he was like, yes, come and audition. And then the rest is history. Wow. That is so crazy. How like full circle that, that life comes, but that moment specifically. Okay. So this is a little twofold. You mentioned saying yes to a lot of different crazy jobs. How do you feel like that mindset has helped you grow in your career? Because I feel like, at least for me personally speaking, it's hard to say yes to things sometimes because you're either not sure you'll you'll be good at it, it might make you nervous, it, you don't know enough about maybe the sport or the opportunity or the job. So how do you almost switch your mindset to being more open to that? And how does it? How has it helped your career? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a game of numbers, right? You know, the Wayne Gretzky quote, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. It's like, especially in the dance world, like you have to go to a hundred auditions before you book one. I mean, hopefully yeah. not, but oftentimes it's like that. <laughs> and so it's just a numbers game. And the more you do something, the better at it you get and the more confident you get at it. So it was sort of like, I was training myself to like be better at the auditioning process too. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there, obviously like there is this idea. I remember like, you know, celebrity musicians and artists being like, come and be in my music video. We won't pay you, but you'll get exposure. And that was like mm. so annoying. And that was so frustrating yeah. because you're like, you should be paying these artists for their work. Um, but if it paid very little, sometimes I'd be like, you know, I'm just going to do it because it always ended up, I'd meet somebody or like have a great story to tell, or it would lean it, you know, go into another opportunity or another job. And so, yeah, I was like just saying yes, as much as I could trying to meet as many people as I could. And, um, that's, it's just like opening doors constantly. Do you feel like all of those auditions and that practice you kind of got from that helped boost your confidence naturally where you just realize like, okay, I, I am a good dancer. I can do these things by saying yes and just getting that more experience. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, I think repetition creates growth and confidence and you're trying to learn how to like trust yourself too. So when you're going to an audition and you know that you can get rejected and you can still get up the next day and go to another audition, like you're creating trust and uh, within yourself, which I think is how you create confidence. Um, knowing that like I can be told no and like, I mean, another hard thing is I had so many girlfriends that were dancers too. So we'd all go to the same audition together. And some of my girlfriends would end up booking the job and I wouldn't. And that's super hard too. Cause you're like, ah, oh, I'm like, they're my friend and I want to be happy for them. But like, I also want the job and I need to pay my bills. Right. And so it was like this really interesting dynamic and learning experience for me where you just have to like move with grace and be kind to yourself because you're constantly being told no and you're not good enough. So you have to be your own advocate and be like, no, I do believe in myself and I, I can keep doing this. I think that's, that's something that I've experienced too. I think it's probably the most difficult thing to keep believing in yourself sometimes because when you get told no so often, you almost start to let those thoughts creep in that that maybe I can't do this, maybe I'm not cut out for this. And keeping that faith in yourself, I think is one of the hardest things to do, but when you do and it does pay off like it has for you, it's like the most worthwhile thing because you're like, okay, I knew it, I knew I was good at this, like I knew I could make it. And so yeah, I'm sure I, that's like I think a- there's like, sometimes I have to, um, like even with dance, like, now I'm so like out of practice. I haven't really danced in a long time, but I'll go take like a beginner dance class sometimes because I'm like, I literally just want to move and I need to like feel good about myself. I'm not going to take a super advanced dance class and feel right. bad about myself. Like also <laughs> yeah. set yourself up for some easy wins because the easy mm-hmm. wins are going to also help propel you forward and get you excited and, and more confident. Definitely. Okay. So you join Peloton and you go to teach your first class. What was that like? Because, I mean, you were a fitness instructor before that, so you had taught classes, but like, what was that transition like from going from just like a smaller studio to then one of like these major New York City ones? Yeah, it was wild. I was teaching fitness classes to, you know, 50 people. I was teaching cycling to 50 people in a room and loved it. Um, I remember my first class, my premiere class, and there were 2,300 people on the leaderboard and the, um, the record was a thousand at the time. So I knew that like for my premiere, like twice as many people were showing up and mm-hmm. I did not give a single shout out because I was like completely overwhelmed. Uh, <laughs> but seeing that, and now that's a small number. Now, you know, we've had 50,000 people on the leaderboard. I think mm-hmm. it's maybe the record now. Um, But yeah, it was really insane to know that there's 50 people in the room and there's thousands of people at home tuning in with me. And um, I think I probably blacked out. I don't know. (laughs) it It was really overwhelming, but very exciting at the same time. And like you said, that there's so many people out there that are also taking the class, not just the ones in the room. Does is that ever intimidating or do you just kind of try and focus on what's in front of you and the people in the room? Because I know you give those shout outs, every Peloton instructor does to the people riding with you virtually, but does that ever become an intimidating factor of like, whoa, there's a lot of people following along right now? Yeah. And also like, sometimes I think about who is following along too, because there are 
professional athletes, there are Olympians, mm-hmm. there are, there's, you know, somebody who's taking their first fitness class ever that's taking the same class that, you know, a, an Olympic swimmer is taking, you know, right. And there are politicians that take, and I'm just thinking of like, yeah, my influence is huge in this moment. Um, so I take it really seriously, uh, you know, for the most part, but I, you know, but I have to like also not put so much pressure on myself. That's like, if I just make, you know, make sure I'm having fun, then I think other people will have fun. As long as I know, you know, I'm playing music that speaks to me. I think it will draw in my people and people will, people enjoy watching people enjoy themselves. Yes, So, um, I think I just try to keep that in mind, but definitely there are times where I think about like the range of people, um, with different fitness experience and how they're all taking the same exact class at the same time. And I think that just helps me be a better instructor, um, and just be able to speak to all different types of people. How do you modify and create a class for people of all those different fitness levels where you have like an Olympian or a professional athlete on one side and then someone who's taking their first class ever maybe on the other side all within the same class yeah it's all in it's all in language and people want to feel seen and acknowledged so if you just acknowledge that there could be somebody if this is your first class ever like welcome and you're doing great just feel free to modify as you need it all it takes is just like one comment to acknowledge that that person exists out there and um and then also it's like if you need to challenge yourself more like go ahead and increase your resistance and i think that's why we do a pretty good job at peloton of giving a wide range of cadence and resistance to say like this should feel like this you should be breathing really hard right now mm-hmm. this should be hard or this is a recovery this should feel easy because um, yeah you're going to get all different types of experience out there that's actually my favorite thing that peloton classes do because I feel like I'm really bad at giving, like, if someone's like, go 80%, I'm like, I don't know what that is. Like, yeah. I I know myself very well, and I have no idea what that is. And I feel like I usually end up going a lot faster when I'm at 80% than versus if someone told me to go all out. Right. So when it's like, okay, ha- you should be able to have a conversation at this pace, but you should be, like, breathing heavily through it. And I'm like, oh, that's great. Like, it's, it's like something that yeah. is so easy to imitate and you can even like try it yourself as you're going, which is like my favorite part. Sometimes I'll like talk out loud and, yep. and say, okay, like, can I hold a conversation at this pace? I say that in my low impact classes. I'm like, right now you should be like breathing kind of hard, but you should be able to say like, hey, Emma, how's it going? What's up? I'm well, how are you doing? You know? yeah. And I'll say that I'm like imagining thousands of people at home being like, Hey, Emma, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) But no, but it's so helpful. Um, But what I feel like is maybe the most impressive thing about Peloton is the community it's created because those little notifications that come up that are like, oh, high five someone for their 500th ride or their 10th ride or their first ride and and yet still have competition on the leaderboard. I think that balance is so impressive that it does help me feel like there's people around me, even when I'm taking it alone in my apartment or alone at the gym even. So how do you feel like that has kind of brought a sense of community, but also like a team aspect back into your life? 
Oh yeah. I think people who were like ex-athletes, ex-college athletes or whatever thrive off of Peloton and the leaderboards uh-huh. specifically. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> um, but yeah, we need that like push. Like if I don't have someone yelling at me, like I'm not going to uh, push myself as hard. And if I don't see people that I'm competing with on the leaderboard, I might not push myself that hard. But it also just depends on what you need, right? Some days you mm-hmm. want that push and some days you don't. And so you can hide the leaderboard. There's also ways you can filter. So if you want to only race against people your age group, you can do that. And so I think what was really cool that Peloton realized early on is that the community kind of created itself. And then Peloton was like, oh, wow, like like there's, you know, this Facebook group with hundreds of thousands of people. And that Mm -hmm. was started by members are homecoming, which was called home rider invasion initially was created by members who were all like, let's all go to the studio at the same time. And like hundreds of people showed up to the studio and then Peloton's like, whoa, 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 we need to like help manage this. So it's like the people were like, no, we're here for it. We can create the community. And then Peloton's like, cool, like let's, let's figure out the best way to do this. Um, so yeah, on Facebook and social media, there's tons of groups of people who are like, you know, Peloton moms, um, physician assistants, uh, lawyers, doctors, um, Peloton teachers, like there's very niche and specific groups that you can join. And I think that has, it's, it's really cool for people. And I, and I see people actually meeting up for the first time in real life at the studio where, where they'll be like, we've been friends on social media for a year riding together. And we decided to come to the studio together to meet. Um, so it, it is really cool to see how community builds itself within Peloton. Yeah, that's, that I think is another great point you bring up, like the hashtags I've, I've been able to like click those sometimes and been like, oh, I didn't know that all these people use this hashtag and like I can relate to it. So it's so funny how just like simple things like that have really brought people together. Okay. One of my last questions for you, I know it's a live format for you. Have you ever had a moment where you're like either like stumbled on your words or made a mistake and you're like, oh, man, this is live. Like, what am I doing? And it's like so overwhelming where you're like, oh, no, what have I done kind of thing? I love talking to my colleagues about this because we the only people who really know what that's like is like us, you know, yeah. so we all share stories with each other about like, ah, I accidentally like sang this lyric to a song that's like totally inappropriate <laughs> yeah. or like, you know, a lot. Sometimes the leaderboard names, like some people like try to get you like they do like the whole Bart mm-hmm. Simpson thing where they try to make you say something like stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've definitely done that. Um, but, you know, I think I just try to like laugh it off, you know, I, I, or I make fun of myself. I I'll either call it out or sometimes I just completely like pretend that it didn't happen. I'm like, maybe no one noticed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the exciting thing about live is like, you could say anything and, um, you kind of just got to figure your way around it or through it or out of it. Um, but yeah, we, we probably all have embarrassing stories. <laughs> yeah. I almost feel like it, for me, the, the quicker you acknowledge it and you're like, that wasn't right. I yeah. messed that one up, but we're just going to move past it. Like yeah. the quicker you just get it out of the way. It's like, okay, everyone's human. We all make mistakes here. Right. Um, right. But yeah, that's, that's uh, I think never people fun. Like it. They, I mean, they like it. They think it's funny. They like seeing right. us just be human and Exactly. It humanizes you. Yeah, Yeah, it helps. Um, Okay, so I know you are coming to a Jets game very soon. It's your first NFL game. Yes. Now, 
I I know that it's December, so it's going to be really cold. Yeah, tell me, what, what am I supposed to wear? Just like all of the everything You're, you got it you got to wear green and white obviously okay. got to got to rep the home colors but uh i would just layer as much as possible i have found that on the sidelines i try and walk up and down as much as possible to keep moving so that i'm at least staying somewhat warm but okay. when you're sitting in those seats and you don't get a lot of movement i think that's that's going to be chilly i but can like dance in my seat a little exactly, bit exactly like exactly the yeah. more you get up and cheer and then okay. sit back down and get up and cheer. Yeah, maybe that will help. Uh, what are you most looking forward to about going to your first NFL game? Because I know you don't necessarily know what to expect, but it's got to be so exciting looking forward to your first one. Yeah. Um, how big is the stadium, actually? Do you know how many seats? You know, I don't know how many people it fits, like, number-wise, yeah. but it feels even bigger because it's a little bit of a bowl. Yeah. So you go, it goes down a little bit more than you would think, and then it comes up. So it feels, it always feels really big to yeah. me. Yeah. I think there's two things that I, like, when I go to stadiums or, you know, big concert venues, this, you know, related to Peloton, sometimes I do like to find out how big it is. And then I imagine, you know, I'm like, oh, 20,000 people are in here. Like, that's like me teaching a class on a Saturday and having 20,000 yeah. people. And sometimes I look around and I'm like, imagine all these people working out with me right now. <laughs> so that's all fun. Um, but also I'll say my partner and boyfriend, Dave, um, what played football in college and we've never been to an NFL game together. He has, but we've never been okay. together. Mm -hmm. um, I'm like excited to see, I feel like I'm going to see another side of him that is going to like unleash when he's mm -hmm. in that environment. And I'm really, um, I think I'm going to be highly entertained by how excited he is going to be in that environment. <laughs> yes. I will say not only are football fans just like such diehards and fanatics, Jets fans especially are just so, so passionate. And I think that's what makes a, the Jets have a home field advantage whenever they play at MetLife Stadium. But B, it what it's what makes coming to games so fun because you're just in this stadium with all these people who are screaming and yelling because oh, really? they care so much. So it I makes it that. really special. But um, Emma, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Loved getting to hear about your fitness journey and how you got all the way to Peloton and even a little sneak peek about your book that's yes. coming out soon, sooner or later this year. So thank you so much for hopping on. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And maybe I'll see you at the game. A hundred percent. I'll come okay. find you. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning into another episode of New York Her and learning all about our guest, Emma Lovewell. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again, and we will see you next time on New York Her.